because we're both nerds <laughs> we both look the same huh? you can't tell it's, yeah. it's very i mean it's it's because you both nerds and you look great and everybody loves you and welcome to the down in front podcast <laughs> the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com here what we do is review movies tv shows games just about anything and everything nerdy and so i'm super pumped i'm super excited for tonight we will be talking about one of the newest, not quite MCU, but maybe sort of MCU universe films called Deadpool 2, starring Ryan Reynolds and a bunch of amazing people in his hilarious cast. One of the biggest films that actually going to be kind of branching off from uh, the one of the arguably one of the largest fil- R-rated films, I think, that come out into in February um, to have like one of the best sort of um opening so super pumped to be talking about that super pumped to be kind of reviewing for a few of my best friends um what we do is that we're going to be reviewing and then we drink we're going to be drinking some stuff and watching some other stuff so pretty excited to be talking uh to and introducing the lovely i'm so glad he's finally back in massachusetts although i am not there which i'm kind of sad about but mr b ryland the mouth of the south how's it going man what you been uh, watching well. Uh, I'm doing well. I just got back from the weekend from uh, fishing in the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas. Uh, so that was, yep. So that was uh, a lot of fun, very relaxing. And uh, what I've been drinking, I uh, decided to go with a bottle of wine tonight. And I have a very um, detailed, uh, very scientific method of choosing what is going to be a good wine, which is does it have a cool label or not? Uh, and so, uh, this one stuck out to me. It's called trim in California. It's got a label you would probably see on a bottle of wine. You'd pick up at a modern art museum gift shop. <laughs> and, uh, it is uh black and red, just like our hero that we're going to talk about in this movie today. And it tastes kind of mild. Uh, I usually prefer a Cabernet to have a bolder flavor, but. This feels like uh, someone just did a drive-by and watered down my wine, and now I have to drink it. And so it's kind of bland. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, what I've been watching is I uh, I watched the latest film adaptation of Fahrenheit 451, uh, which is personally I consider one of the best novels ever written. And uh, this one starred Michael B. Jordan, Michael Shannon. And uh, it is a modern retelling of the Ray Bradbury story <laughs> about a society that burns books to keep the uh, populace uh, in check. And it's a matter, it's like uh, always about like that government sanctioned ideology versus free will story that uh, can definitely work in a post apocalyptic uh, futures and everything. Uh, I feel like they try their best to do a uh, modern take on it to talk about some of the issues happening today. But 
uh, it's way too heavy-handed, and it's not really that good of an adaptation. Um, Michael B. Jordan and Michael Shannon, they're great actors, and they do a solid job. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the movie, it's they're trying to just force it down your throat like, hey, this is the modern re- way of how we're going to handle this. And it just becomes very heavy-handed and uh, doesn't really play off that well. That's a bummer. I was actually really excited to hopefully kind of catch that. For some reason, I thought it was a series and not more so of a movie, but um, <clears throat> I do like Michael Jordan. I do like Michael Shannon. But, you know, where did you watch that again? Uh, HBO. Okay, cool. I have a always- question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brylan, do they, as it's a modern adaptation, do they address the, um, like, e-books? Do they burn e-books, too? Do they, like, bash iPads and stuff? Yeah, they definitely expanded. They call it like we're going to ban graffiti and they talk about like they have their own internet system and that there's a dark internet is where people are trying to store book information and uh, they're not necessarily going after just books. It's also any type of media content that, I mean, express some type of free will or creativity. So like you see a blockbuster video cartridge of Taxi Driver or uh, a love note index card that's written on a washington dc postcard and it's just like a love letter from a person to another so it's all kind of like mementos but also any type of entertainment that was made that they burn okay cool yeah i was just curious how they were gonna like work around that yep nice but Brylan, it's uh, great to have you back. Um, great Thanks. to see your face, uh, as always. And uh, hopefully that we can always get together to have a, a live podcast soon. So uh, hashtag Absolutely. stick for that. Although that wine is not very good, I hope uh, you still drink it. I will. I'm going to toss it over to uh, the beautiful. Uh, literally, we took a poll earlier last week, and he was actually voted, sadly, uh, the least liked podcast member of the Down in Front podcast. Uh, Mocha Mike here, coming back. How's it going, man? Good to see you. Damn right, baby. I'm number one in something. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here to talk about uh, comic book movies, which happens to be my, my favorite thing to talk about, whether there are people around to hear me or not. Um, as for what I'm drinking tonight, I'm keeping it simple. Because I've been to way too many IMAX showings here in New York City lately to have any sort of budget for alcohol. So I'm just drinking a regular old Coors, tall, tall boy. We're going with the OG Coors because that's a tasty one. Um, and as for what I've been watching, I recently wrapped up the season finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I know that not everyone in this group has seen it, so I'm going to go a little light into spoilers. But um, for a show that's been around for five years, the this this season season finale was a really good culmination of pretty much every other character every character arc they had laid down throughout these previous seasons it really felt like they had no idea whether or not they were going to get renewed or not before they filmed it because it felt like a series finale um but they did get a green light for a half season long uh or like a half of a usual season's length uh season six for next summer um so we'll be seeing more but but I liked it. I know not everyone does, but uh, it's a fun little show to have every week from Marvel. Well, Mocha, thanks for uh, kind of coming on. We missed you on the last podcast, but really excited to get some of your input, especially about the more of a Marvel sort of comic book movie. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to the host of The Fear Boners, one of my best friends, Andrew Abbott. How's it going, man? Good, good. It's going well. Thanks for having me tonight. Um, always enjoyed talking about comic book movies with you knuckleheads. Um, and uh, I have a fun little story about how I wound up drinking what I'm drinking tonight. Um, 
I took the long way home after work and I wandered into uh, a packy that I don't normally go into and it was dimly lit and I looked along the aisles and the rows and everything was far too expensive for my budget until I got to the end, the farthest reaches of the aisle. And I found this old, old, dusty, dusty plastic bottle, probably covered with the, the residual skin flakes of people who had worked in that liquor store 10 years ago. <laughs> and I read the label and it said, Chi-Chi's Skinny Long Island Iced Tea Mix. And it had a price tag on it that said $5 and it's a gallon jug. So I grabbed that. It's what I'm drinking. It's pretty terrible. I don't <laughs> think it's going to hit me like those four locos did, but um, we'll see by the end of this podcast. Uh, as for what I'm watching, um, I've been on a Takashi Miike kick um, since I recorded that uh, Fear Boners, um, which uh, at the time this is released, I don't know if it's going to be out yet, but uh, he has an upcoming release, a U.S. release of his movie, As the Gods Will, um, which I watched recently, and I've been going back, uh, getting ready to try and find his most recent adaptation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. He did a live-action adaptation of that series, so I've been going back and actually watching that show. Um, that's an anime, and it's pretty ridiculous. Um, it's basically a bunch of uh, bros going around the world, saving the world, being ridiculous. Um, but now there's a lot of Nazis, and I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, so fun for a Japanese cartoon, but pretty insane. Um, definitely recommend it if you're into over-the-top crazy anime action. Yeah, that's one of it's my a- um, kind of animes and like mangas that I'm like kind of hold off because I'm not entirely sure which one I want to start first, whether the anime or the manga. And it's been hanging on for a while, so nothing but kind of positive reviews from what I heard from that one. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's interesting, though, because I realized after I watched the first series that technically um, the way that it's at least um, uh, displayed on Crunchyroll is that a few years later they did a recut version of the original series. So now I don't feel like I need to go back and rewatch it, but I watched the original cut, so I'm not going to be a completist that way. You can do whichever you want to do. 2018. It's true. It's 2018. Well, Adam, exactly. Uh, it's always great to hear your voice and see your baby face. Um, so that's great. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to the shredder, the cool Michael. How's it going, man? It's great to see you. I see that you're uh, you're looking quite dapper today. Yeah, uh, I'm wearing my uh, 500 shirt because the Celtics are 500, and it's killing me very, very slowly. Um. Hopefully, by the time this gets released, uh, we are better than that, and we're beating the Cleveland Cavaliers, because that's what I've been watching. Uh, I've also been watching um, the first couple episodes of Season 4, the recut edition of Arrested Development. The new season comes out, I think, partially next week. They've had like the most ambiguous new season I've ever heard of in my entire life where like they originally were going to release all of it. And then now they're saying only like six of them. And one of the cast members is only in some of them, but they're being ambiguous as whether she's in some of the first half of it or some of the whole, it doesn't make any sense at all, but I freaking love that show and I can't wait to see new stuff from them, even though they're all like 10 years older now. Mm -hmm. Um, as for what I'm drinking, uh, Uh, real quick. Um, do you find that the recut, changes how funny that season four is or makes it better in any way or so i'm not through it all the way so for for y'all that don't know they took the normal paradigm of like the weekly you know this this episode is a week later than the last episode uh type thing and 
made this goofy timeline switch in season four of Arrested Development. And so they also followed one character for the duration of the episode and then kind of switched them. So they all got, I think, one, uh, two, like the main cast each got two episodes to kind of like flex their stuff. Um, now, when you put that together, there's a lot of things that are very unfunny in the first section of season four that like make no sense. They're like just things that happen on screen. And you're like, sure, why not? Um, at the end, they had the brilliance where they wrapped it up all together. Um, for example, spoiler alert for, uh, you know, five-year-old show, you'd hear this like like clicking sound in the background. And then you realized in like the last two episodes that uh, George Michael, played by Michael Sarah, made a woodblock app and it's all about keeping time. And so like that was one of the main central themes that you literally could like think back and they'd show they'd show the same scene, but from a different perspective. And it was way funnier because you had a greater context of what was going on. So Brown, to your point, I, I don't know yet. Cause I'm not for, like far enough in, um, that I'm seeing some of those jokes and laughing, but I don't know if it will ever get as funny as the end of that season when you had the full picture yeah. and we're just losing your mind over every little thing they did. Yeah. Um, as for what I'm drinking, I think this is the first time I've ever had this style of beer. It is called a barley wine ale, and it is 11%, yeah, so wine. I might not be alive for the conclusion of this podcast. Um, <laughs> the reason Abedin that I, is a disturbing trend among today's youth. <laughs> the, it's, it's true, it's true. The reason I go to high I, schools across the country to talk about it. You don't. That's you're not allowed there. Uh, the reason I, I'm not I'm not allowed within 50 feet of any high school. The reason that I picked it though, uh, the name of this particular barley wine ale is the Blithering Idiot, and so I thought that was perfectly appropriate for <laughs> you, or, or the you know the subject of this week's podcast. <laughs> Well, uh, Mike, it's always great to see your voice, face and uh, great to hear your voice. Uh, thank you for all the hard work that you do. But Appreciate I like, it. I like seeing your face and hearing your voice. Is that okay? Okay, great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why, why, is, why is Bluett the only one you ask consent to look at his face? The rest of us just take for granted. Because we have a thing going, and I, I mean... I don't like any of you guys. I can feel your eyes on my face it's, right now. It's, it's because it's of the implication, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I am Warren. I will be your host for this evening. Um, what I have been watching, I actually finally got a chance. I actually haven't been watching too much. I, I've been keeping up with like my normal shows, Saturday Night Live. I've been catching up with that. Tina Fey kind of hosted. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm trying to like slowly like Tina Fey's work. Trying to. I haven't been. I do. I just really also don't like Tracy Morgan, but a conversation for the time. Um, so uh, I watched that. I also saw the Agents of Shield. Uh, I kind of agree with Mocha. I really, really enjoyed the last episode. I thought that was a very strong episode, especially some of the components that they put in there. I didn't see that coming, sort of thing. Um, but there was a good amount of lull in the most recent season that I really was just like, I'm just kind of watching it just so that. I can say I watched it. I, I wasn't really enjoying myself um, <clears throat> for a good amount of episodes. I think like maybe four or five straight. I just said, meh, I don't really care. Um, but the movie I've been watching, I've seen, has anybody seen on HBO the uh, Hitman's Bodyguard? 
No, no, it's on my watch list though. Yeah, movies. I mean, it, so it has Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. They both play hitmen. One's like out of jail, needs to testify. The other one's basically his bodyguards, but they're not. Sorry, excuse me, they're both not aren't hitmen, but they both are like trained and they have like different ideals of like the people to kill and to protect. Um, the movie's fun. The movie's fun. It's very funny. Uh, you really just see them basically go off script. It feels like. Um, and so I th- definitely was like, oh, I want to see like more Ryan Reynolds things. And let me see what else he's been in that I haven't seen yet. Um, and so I think I pretty I'm pretty sure I saw what was that? Rest in peace. RPD or something like that. R.I.P.D. I saw oh, that. Another based on a comic. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It was like that wasn't very good, but I saw that. And so this is something I wanted to see um, that I haven't seen before or of Ryan Reynolds. And I thought it was fun. So definitely go check that out. That's on HBO now. Uh, I am currently drinking uh, two old fashions made differently and so i wanted to kind of select the f- old-fashioned drink because i'm an old-fashioned kind of guy i'm just gonna uh, put this out there an old-fashioned made differently doesn't sound too old-fashioned that sounds like a new fashion <laughs> well there's one that because they they there's one old-fashioned they have in this hotel i'm at that is on tap and so they already kind of pre-did that and they put some stuff in it and so it's made differently the other one has like some fresh kind of ingredients that was a bit more stronger more potent so i'm, I'm saving that for the uh spoiler section of this podcast who cocktails on tap cocktails on tap is like an emerging trend like i'm seeing it all over the place in brooklyn right now and i don't know what i feel about it because they're not less expensive which i feel like if something is mass produced and shipped in a barrel it should be less expensive than if somebody like hand shakes it well but, they make, um... well they make it they, well here's the thing they make it with thanos needs to visit brooklyn well, they make it in the actual bar itself, right? They put more stuff on there, then they tap it, and then it slowly dilutes, but it makes it easy to pour. This one is actually was cheaper because this one was their happy hour special. So it was literally $5 cheaper than the normal one, the other one. And I actually got both because I wanted to see you know, which one's better. And for sure, I like the fresher ingredients, the one that's made to order. Um, so, But I needed to try. But I would say this. If it's a carbonated drink, whether it's a carbonated rosé or a carbonated um, like a gin and tonic that I have that has been on tap, it's been absolutely phenomenal. So definitely go check that out because it's so, so good. There's so if a zombie's coming towards you and you have the choice of grabbing a hatchet or a old-fashioned from the tap, <laughs> would you grab the old-fashioned from the tap? Well, here's the thing. Uh, can, I ask you, can I ask a question here? Uh, am I going to die anyway? Um, you might if you... Old fashioned. Defend yourself. Okay. Old fashioned. <laughs> Old, absolutely. Gotta die There's happy. a machine out there you can get. It's like $5,000, but you can set it up to have like three or four different cocktails pre-mixed and tapped. That doesn't sound like a lot of, that's a good investment. Uh, I have three of them at my house right now. It's the best thing I've ever gotten, but I have yeah, them three. all set up with Chi Chi's skinny Long Island iced tea mix. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, know if I behind this trend. <laughs> and for Loco. <laughs> so we're pumped. We're excited. What we're going to do is going to take a quick break, um, give you a little time to kind of relax, get yourself a drink or use the bathroom, uh, just hit pause. We're going to get into a full spoiler filled review of Deadpool 2. So we're excited and we'll see you soon.
And we are back, and we are the Down to Front Podcast here tonight. We are going to be reviewing Deadpool 2. Super pumped, super excited. I got Brylin, Mocha, Bluet, Abbott. My name is Warren. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to toss it over. And the way that we kind of broke this episode, a couple different sections. So let's start with, you know, talking about, you know, the acting and the cast alone. We'll talk about a bit of the drama, and then we'll talk about arguably, I think, one of the most the funniest parts of the movie uh, for a long time. We are in the spoiler section, meaning if you haven't seen this movie yet, definitely would stop the podcast for right now because we will be spoiling the movie. And there's a lot of good jokes. There's a lot of stuff that you can be spoiled about this movie. So definitely, oh, there's a huge, huge character you can be spoiled about this movie. So definitely kind of take that into consideration. So let's talk a bit about the acting. Let's talk about the casting. Let's talk about some things that they did well, they didn't do well, all roped up into one. I'm going to toss it to my best friend, who I love more than everybody else here. Brylin, tell me about the casting and tell me about the acting. Uh, Yeah, so uh, what they did really well in the first movie was they got a great cast to play all these different parts like Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead or uh, people that were like kind of tinier bit parts like Dopender, the taxi cab driver, but they all do a really great job and they continue to really do a great job in this movie. Uh, I mean, Ryan Reynolds, I mean, is still born to play this part and they give him enough. What's really cool is um, not only is he great at like the funny stuff, but also uh, there's a lot of, uh, we learn a lot about Deadpool's tragic moments in this, um, in this, uh, film and how he copes with uh like grief and loss and i think he even does a great job in those moments too um colossus still can i say one thing i think if you took hugh jackman away from wolverine and recast him you could take chris evans away from captain america you honestly i would rather see someone else play tony stark than robert downey jr than ryan reynolds playing Deadpool. That is the definitive, like there's no one else that can do that. And I get it. It's not as like dramatic as a role of like, you know, having Chris Evans standing up there and, you know, pretend to give that Spider-Man speech, even though Sharon Carter said it, but whatever. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's one of those things that like, whatever you see this guy, his mannerisms, what he says, it's all just so freaking perfect and true to the source material. Yeah. And I mean, it's really cool because, like this movie is, I mean, he does all these extra things to build up to the movie because there is this whole thing of breaking the fourth wall with Deadpool and he's all in. So it could be like, um, visiting someone to bring them coffee and he's just acting as Deadpool when he does that or, um, apologizing for David Beckham, which has nothing to do with the movie, but he does it anyway. Uh, and it's really cool to see like how this movie kind of, expands beyond just the film itself yo brown one quick thing that's hilarious that you talk about coffee do you so spoiler alert there's one of the x-force team members that uh is revealed in a split second to be brad pitt apparently (laughs) brad pitt didn't get paid or he got paid like a negligible amount for that that split second his only request was that Ryan Reynolds go to Starbucks and buy him coffee and hand deliver it to him. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. The funny thing is Ryan Reynolds forgot to ask for money. (laughs) So he just got it for free. My favorite thing about that story of how Ryan Reynolds got Brad Pitt to do the role was that his pitch was, 
what's the most wasteful way to use the 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 most well known actor in the world? <laughs> and it was for eight frames in that one moment. <laughs> yeah, but uh, aside from Ryan Reynolds, just like total commitment to what this role intends. Um, Josh Brolin, I mean. We saw how awesome he can be when it is in a superhero movie with Avengers Infinity War. And he beca- he plays a great cable. He is that serious, uh, tough guy that balances out the Deadpool wackiness. And um, he is kind of like that guy that's like, yeah, this guy irritates the hell out of me. But you know what? He does. He means well. And I just kind of want to make sure he doesn't like blow himself up while trying to save the world or save somebody. So, yeah, I guess I'll help them out with that. Um, and uh, it's just goes to show that they bring a lot to that character, too, that you do learn about, like, Cable's motivations and who he is and what he means in this movie. So it's good that they spend that time with him. And also, I'd say um, for new characters, Zazie Beats is really great as a Domino. I really enjoyed just her, um, the amount of fun she took to the role. And just, like, she was kind of like, Hey, I'm lucky and I get what I want and that's my superpower. And she kind of rolls with that as like, she has like this, um, devil may care attitude about like what's going on behind her. There's like the scene where there's a truck exploding behind her and she's just kind of nonchalantly walking away from it. Cause she knows regardless of what happens, you'll probably be okay. And it was really cool to how they use that, uh, mutant power, uh, to affect uh, there were some really cool moments that uh, you expected her to die in a moment, but they come up with something really clever and cool to actually show her luck being established in the film. Uh, but she also brings this like uh, this uh, just character that's just up for anything, just because she's kind of bored with anything else. That she'll yeah, like yeah, I'll do it. We'll see where what type of chaos it'll lead me to. And it's cool to see like that reckless behavior coming from her because it's a definitely a big part of who Domino is in the comics. I really liked her character. I liked her casting. Um, I was really glad because I didn't realize she was in this movie. Um, I think it was like super last minute that somebody I'm not naming names, Abbott, ruined the fact that she was in this movie for me. Yeah, uh, so yep, I was got, welcome. yeah, you bitch. Uh, <laughs> so I was kind of, I was bummed, but I was like, oh, well, I mean, I'm gonna like, it, it's nice to see her kind of expand, but it's also nice to see that she kind of held her own, and they gave her some time to kind of grow and just have these like nice, fun little small scenes that didn't last more than, than maybe a minute, two minutes. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that sort of acting, and I really enjoyed that casting for her. Um, I really, really hope that you know, especially with her quirky. Um, uh, superpower that that definitely kind of comes back and we can see more of it because it was just a it was just a delight just to see her and I also have a huge crush on her so there you go yeah and uh lastly i'll just mention that uh yeah the all the people i chose to play x-force characters they were like great uh choices for the, each character they played and even it's good to see boston's own rob delaney uh hanging out as peter <laughs> so that was just a he's a nice funny character and he had some nice funny lines as well yeah, I don't care too much for Rob Delaney, but I loved the character that he played in that in this movie. <laughs> he was like the like the gentlest version of Ron Swanson, pretty much. <laughs> I do like how he's the only one that he saved too at the very very end. Like could have saved all these other super superheroes, yeah. but no, he saved the, like the one random asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they well, got he saved Shadow the only Star one who was like, innocent. They got Shadowstar like visually perfect, and you know what? Yeah. <laughs> He's tossed away. <laughs> oh man. 
I love Shatterstar. I'm a fan of that character. And so I was super stoked to even think to know that he was going to be in this movie. And I thought it was hilarious that they just completely and utterly wrecked every single one of those characters, even, yeah. even though I was excited to see them all. It was just perfect. It was such well, a good Star was cool because they they name drop Mojo Mojo World, which was really neat. Yeah. And then the fact that they're like, oh, he's an alien. And then when he gets chopped up in the helicopter, he's just all green blood. Green blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else, Brylan? Uh No, I'll pass it on to our next uh, victim. I mean, podcaster. Uh, I want to toss it to uh, the beautiful Abbott. Was your thoughts about the acting and the casting? Yeah. No. I. Uh, you know. I'm not. Like, I love this movie. I really enjoyed it, but I am going to dunk on it a little bit. I do agree with a lot of what Brylan said. Um, you know, a lot of the the cast from the original movie coming back was great because they were perfect in the last movie. All the people, most of the people that came into this movie brand new were fantastic. Um, Josh Brolin, for one, that dude has so much range. And like, now that I think about it and I actually looked into it a little bit, I'd be challenged to find someone who's been in more comic book movies than him. Because if you think about it, He's been in all the Avengers movies. He's been Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy, but this is all kind of one, um, one IP almost. Whereas he's also been in Jonah Hex. He was in Sin City Two. He was in Men in Black Three. Like he's been in a lot of like comic tangent movies, and I think you know he's also been in No Country for Old Men. So he can still pull off this rugged badass, but he's also still yeah. kind of funny and he can play off like I th- I thought he was like the perfect conservative foil for Deadpool, and I think he really pulled that off great. Um, Zazie Beats again was a great uh, addition. You know, I spoiled it for Warren. I think what I said is like, oh yeah, the, the girl from Atlanta is in this movie. Like, and I'm really pumped to see what she does. And it was as simple as that. I didn't even think about it, but she was amazing. I really loved how they portrayed Domino's luck powers. That was really cool. Um, and I really look forward to see like what they do with that character and how that sort of evolves going forward. If it's another Deadpool movie or an X Force movie, um, the X-Force. one, the one thing that uh, really distracted me was the, the kid, Firefist. Um, you guys have heard me say it before, I hate kids in movies. He wasn't too bad, but for me, it was almost like in RoboCop 3, where they make the bad guy a kid. They're just like, oh yeah, give him a gun and have him say fuck a bunch. That'll be really cool. And then on top of that, he kind of has like a weird, annoying accent and he's just kind of annoying the whole time. And he's kind of like a, a, a buddy of Deadpool and he's like kind of playing tag along. And I know that's sort of the part, but to me, that sort of seemed like a weak plot point because there were so many other X-Men stories with the same kind of like dynamic, especially featuring like Cable, for instance, that could have been that could have been a much more compelling movie. Um, so I didn't like his character or that kid as much. Um, and I'll add him on Twitter later. But, yeah, that uh, character felt a lot like um, they couldn't really get the rights to like Pyro as a character, and but so they decided to the studio decided to make up their own character. That's well, why he has a terrible. This is a real character. That's why he has a terrible code name, and uh, that's why he's. I wouldn't say he's bad, but he's acceptable. Yeah, he's acceptable, but I just I just thought he he came off at times as a little annoying. He definitely was funny. Like he was like I'm saying, like I still love this movie. Um, but I'll dunk all day on that kid. Um but yeah, you know, the little the little things in the movie like bringing back Juggernaut and doing him so much justice, so much more justice than X-Men 3 where it was they they delayed that movie to basically include like the internet meme and yeah. had like a terrible portrayal of the Juggernaut and then we- this in like 
I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Can we just talk yeah. about how a movie that's a comic book movie, or excuse me, that is a comedy and that is also a super pop culture referential movie did not include the I'm the juggernaut bitch line. Yeah, but the movie that was, that was supposed to be like the finale to this like very serious like mutants move like trilogy did. How stupid yeah. is that? <laughs> no, it shows restraint, though. I think, like, if they did, if they retold the joke, it would have almost ruined it because that was sort of what pissed me off about X Men Three was right. Brett Ratner, also, who sucks. That pissed you off because that movie sucked. Also, was, the I'm the Juggernaut bitch line is like a decade old. That's like that's an More ancient that. meme in terms More of meme culture. It would have been so disappointing. I thought that was pretty YouTube. That it's was in the like, meme Hall of Fame. Yeah, probably. Let's give it like 12 to 15 years then. I was trying to be conservative. But yeah, I would have been super upset if that was the case. And they they included that in just to have it in there. You you could have almost flipped it and had Deadpool been like, oh, what are you, the juggernaut, bitch? Like you could have done that. But <laughs> oh, that would be good. <laughs> but yeah, him saying it would have been completely stupid. But even like in the short amount of time he did have on screen, um, he was much more convincing and a way better juggernaut than like uh, what's his face, Bullet Tooth Tony from Snatch was in the original one, or in <laughs> X Men Three or whatever it was. I can't remember the actor's name. Vinny I Jones. love him. Vinny yeah, Jones. Vinny Jones. I love Vinny Jones, but that portrayal of Juggernaut was just dumb. Um, and yeah, then additionally, just like introducing X Force and just having them all just get like so like fucked up within like you know five <laughs> minutes of existing was amazing. Like that was incredible. <laughs> The yeah. best, like, fake-out ever. Scar's uh, hard kid uh, with his, like, venom spit onto Peter was fantastic. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, it'll, it, like, Peter will be the only one to last, and then he just gets vomited on, and then you're like, wait, what was, what was his pa- Oh, yeah, acid vomit. Ah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that so whole good. scene was, um, fucking when Shatterstar was flying in on his, <laughs> like, coming in on the parachute, yeah, and the his superhero ponytail was just flying in his face. <laughs> see where he was landing? It was so fun uh, to me. I like well that was one of the things is like he looked almost too comics accurate and then when I saw his hair I was like that's a terrible wig he can't be wearing that through the whole movie and then he didn't so you know <laughs> <laughs> but perfect uh, yeah I mean going off of a couple of things you said Abbott I uh, absolutely agree the uh, kid actor that you were talking about is not quite a kid I mean he's older than Ty Simpkins but his name's Julian <laughs> Dennis he's his name's Julian Dennison it's not a weird accent he was just from New Zealand. So uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. No, yeah, no, you have I the same it's accent as Corey. I know it's a New Zealand accent, accent, but it's just it was annoying to me. Like he's already I know. a kid. Well, I think it was a nice pairing because they kind of. Uh, I'm assuming then none of you guys have seen Hunt for the Wilder People. No. I want to see it. Okay, you guys are all terrible. By, I fucking hate you. Yeah, you definitely need to go check out this movie because literally his character in that movie. They kind of put in this character here, but gave him a, a little bit more to work with. But his character is super funny, uh, is very engaging. But that character is mixed, uh, is uh, paired up with the guy from Jurassic Park, Sam Neill, his name? Oh, yeah. 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 So he's paired up with that. And one's a serious character. One's a very, very comedic character. He's like a juvenile delinquent. So you get more of that character in this movie but then they like put like a bunch of comic book things in and i have to disagree uh because i I thought it was very fun it was nice to see him doing almost very similar what 
uh, he was doing in that movie, but then just made it like a bit more like hilarious, especially with the the rummaging, right? And the uh, I did the, enjoy the, the child the, hiding the, things in his butt. Yeah, yeah his prison wallet. Uh, yep. <laughs> I hadn't heard the phrase prison wallet before this movie, and now I will never not be able to forget that phrase. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely would say I, I definitely would suggest uh, every, if you haven't seen that movie, definitely go check out Harm for Wilder People. He's also been in shopping, but I haven't seen that movie. But I think this kid, right? This um, he was born in 2002, so he's what, 16, 17 now. Um, I think he's gonna be like probably one of the next biggest stars too. And I like the fact that they change how quote unquote. Uh, uh, heroes, superheroes, villains look. You know, it, I think they even mention it in this actual movie the fact that you never get like an overweight sort of superhero, and that's kind of true. I mean, we don't quite see like you know that all the literally everybody that's overweight has always had something negative, and they're a villain. Yeah, the blob. And, and, exactly, and I like the fact that they at least kind of changed up a little bit because we know that he's yeah. kind of sort of goes good. And he's like a good guy. He's a villain majority of the movie, but he definitely turns and like that goes a, a bit of a good guy here and. Um, what about Mr. Incredible? Like, what about Mr. Incredible? He's jacked. No, he's pretty fat in that movie. No, Remember, he can't fit into a super suit. Fat. He's got dad bod. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for Incredibles. Guys, spoiler alert. He has a dad <laughs> bod. Ten year old children movie. listening to this fucking podcast right now. <laughs> oh, <come laughs> dad bod didn't even exist as a term when like that movie came out. Yes, it did. Shut up. It didn't, go, it didn't come out that Dad way. bod was invented in 2015. This is accurate. I was born with a dad bod. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna toss it over. Let's talk. Talk to me about some acting. Talk to me about some casting, uh, Mocha. Yeah. So for the the casting in this film, you know, everyone kind of t- touched on how good the actors were in their roles, and I completely agree. Um, Zazie Beetz was fantastic. She had this kind of like playful, carefree attitude that I had never really pictured Domino from the comics with, but it makes sense if you're someone who has the the ability to just have luck be on their side he, like all the time, you probably develop a bit of a carefree attitude too. So I really enjoyed how upbeat um, she was while not taking anybody's shit. Um, Josh Brolin was fantastic in this movie, um, especially the character of Cable. In my opinion, he was perfect. Um, Cable is a gruff badass from the future, and I didn't need anything more than that, and that is exactly what Josh Brolin gave us. Um, the One of my friends that I went to go see it with was kind of upset that the movie didn't go more into into Cable's history and who Cable was and this and that. And I can sort of get that, but this wasn't a Cable movie. Um, and I don't think it was meant to be. This was meant to be a character study of, De- of Wade Wilson um, and who he is as a person as he sort of transcends or spirals from his relationship with Vanessa into the real zany, completely out of control personality that is Deadpool. So I'm glad that they just kind of held him back to be, like Abbott said, that that foil for Deadpool's uh, zaniness. Um, and he was also just generally badass throughout the whole thing. Um, I actually didn't mind what's his name, Russell, the kid who played Russell, uh, Rusty, aka Firefist. Ryan Dennis, um, I guess. Yeah, he. I thought it was a good character. I mean, the whole like we were talking about earlier, the whole point of that character is he's supposed to be some like dumpy, annoying like loser that everyone brushes off because then it's like it's a surprise that in the future he becomes this murderous like psychopath that no one took seriously when he was a kid and the only one who takes him seriously as a kid is cable and he looks like a maniac for it because he just wants to murder some kid um but it was i i liked it um i liked him and i liked the fact that they brought in so many so many obscure random ass characters from x from you know across like the marvel x-men history um 
there are a shit ton of mutants in Marvel's history, like a crazy, crazy amount. And I am completely fine with the Deadpool series bringing in as many random obscure ones as they can just to kill them off in ridiculous ways. <laughs> I have no problem with what happened to X-Force. And I thought it was really, really funny that they just act like knocked them all off. Yeah, um, it reminded me, it, I took that as like a nod to ecstatics that they actually are yeah. kind of claiming it as part of the X-Force chronology. And for anybody that doesn't know that's listening, uh, Ecstatics was kind of in the early 2000s when Marvel was having tough times and they were bankrupt and everything. X-Force wasn't selling, and so they wanted to cater to a more adult audience, so they started their Max line. And so they made this group of mutants called the Ecstatics, which were just the most bizarre-looking mutants you've ever seen, that they worked for money and if you didn't have the money they told you to fuck off but it was all about just like dick and fart jokes nudity and rampant nudity and like there would be like at least half the team would die every issue too so i thought it was like uh just a uh, really cool that they did that because it seemed like a cool nod to claim part of that as the x-force chronology as well i, I will take i will take a little bit of offense um so deadpool 2 New Mutants and Dark Phoenix are probably going to be the last three Fox mutant films. And part of me thought that with all the self-referential humor, which I'm sure we're going to get into shortly, that they could have slid Deadpool into the MCU easily. Like, you know, just whatever. And then five years down the line had Deadpool and Tom Holland, Spider-Man hanging out, which I was... The kind of fangirling over uh, the possibility of them to, you know, in the future. But um, the one scene where they opened it up and had the original X-Men team from or sorry, the second X-Men team. First of all, I lost my mind laughing. (laughs) So good. But also a little bit of me cried because like, you know, if if Marvel takes over, that's kind of a nail in the coffin of like, hey, we might not get Deadpool back. Because it it uh, references a little bit too much. Well, Honestly, the one thing I, my um my well one quick thing before Mocha like the one thing my roommate mentioned that <sighs> he's gonna look into this stuff, but it's cool that he said that you know I really enjoyed that part when they did a a brief um, mention of the current uh, the current X Men, but it was the wrong time period. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like. Shut up, Tyler. It's fine. It's hilarious. Let's just laugh with it. Just go along with it. But it was a, it was definitely the wrong time period because they should have been like Patrick Stewart and the older characters. So, but that also know. is in line with the joke from Deadpool One, where uh, they're talking about Charles Xavier and he's and he's going through the different actors but and saying these McAvoy, timelines are so confusing. Stewart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What did he say? Stewart. Smelled like Patrick Stewart. There was something that he found that he was like. <laughs> Smelling was it the wheelchair the, uh, or like the cerebro? The cerebro. Yeah, the cerebro. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny that you that you mentioned that about Disney blew it because something that I thought about after seeing this film is how like as a Marvel fan, as an MCU fan, I am really excited for the notion that Disney is going to create this horrifying um, conglomerate and take take over Fox so that they can get access to the mutants. However, in my ideal world. They would get access re- access to all their mutants, but they would leave Deadpool with Fox and create a sort of like partnership like they did with Sony, where they allow him to reference certain like mutant characters. Because honestly, I do not believe that Disney has the gumption to make an R-rated um, Deadpool uh, 
big R-rated Deadpool movies in line with Ryan Reynolds' vision for the character. Um, and I'm totally fine with Fox keeping Deadpool and continuing to make this stuff at, at the, R-rated. The only, the only problem is that I think the sale is the entire IP. Um, and so it I is. think that Disney, they would have to subcontract. I forget who it is. Is it like New Line Cinema or something? That are Miramax. There's some, there's one of those companies that is a, a subsidiary of Disney that Disney pushes out their R-rated movies. And so yeah. I've seen it postulated that instead of Disney Marvel, it would be Disney like that company. And that would do the R-rated Deadpool movies. There are definitely ways for them to go about it. And you're right. The deal would be a, an acquiring of all the IPs. But I want I want Fox and the team that's working on Deadpool now to continue with it. They've been they've knocked it out of the park both times. And I, I don't want to see that watered down in a different studio unless they brought the entire creative team over. Right. which That's possible. And Ryan but, Reynolds um, has such a huge like he was he he got a writing credit and an executive producer credit and then also you know, starting the stupid thing. But um, so I, I would bet that it wouldn't be too hard to get at least the primary creative people. I mean, what do you need to who was the director on this? I don't even know. Should probably have looked that up before that doing like a oh, movie. He used to be. I was reading Rooney. something about him. I can't remember his name, but apparently he started as a stuntman. So as long as as long as it's the not director. like. It's not like a, a, you know, someone who's like a mainstay in Fox Studios that like Fox gives a ton of stuff to, you know, you could probably poach. It wouldn't be too hard to do. But is yeah, Comcast mean, they, still uh, potentially trying to outbid yeah, Disney? As long as Comcast doesn't get it all. Which happy. then yeah. I, I feel like the next Deadpool will just be Ryan Reynolds as Ryan Reynolds going fuck Comcast for two and a half hours. <laughs> Because there's no way, there's no way they make, like, they actually, like, that would be worse than Disney, truthfully. Like, it'll uh, be the guy from Nerdist trying to sell you, like, a phone plan. (laughs) (laughs) So, a quick, uh, a quick, um, little bit of information. The director of this film was David Leach, who was the director for Atomic Blonde and John Wick. That's right. Well, he directed some scenes. Yeah, not everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was, I mean, we talked about that movie also previously. I think the majority of us kind of really enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, so that was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm totally into the idea of, of pulling out these, these random characters. Um, I had hoped or I had kind of wished that they had picked a character from Cable's future that like was a meaningful threat, you know, like in the comics, <laughs> Firefist is a super obscure hero who dies at some point. Um, yeah. Why not, not strike in any way? Yeah, it could have been strike. Could have been any number of, of these characters from the, from the, from the future. I'll give that a pass though, because since at the end of the film, Deadpool's selfless actions turns like changes his, like uh Firefist's future path and makes him into a good guy. It kind of makes sense because then the rest of the future moving forward, he's a good guy. So it kind of lines up. So I'll give it a pass, but I just wish there was a bit more, like a bit more oomph in the character that Cable was coming back and trying to kill. Um, I am also really excited about the fact that they were so ambiguous about Domino and who she is um, or where she came from, because clearly she's going to be around for future movies. At least I very I hope so. I hope she's a part of Deadpool's team moving forward. Um, but you know, for anyone who doesn't know at home, Domino was part of a. Um, like a human experimentation program called Weapon Armageddon, I believe, or not Weapon Armageddon, Project Armageddon, where they were trying to create super soldiers 
And she was one of the few survivors of it, but the government agency deemed that her powers of manipulating luck weren't useful for war and tried to get rid of her as a result. That could easily be transitioned in the film into her being part of the same project that Deadpool was a part of. Um, So I think they left themselves open to kind of play with the character more more, more moving forward. And I've got no problem with them like altering little bits about the character's history to make them fit into this this little universe. I mean, you know, for crying out loud, Vanisher, uh, Brad Pitt's character, <laughs> isn't invisible in the comics. He's a teleporter. He vanishes, poof, and goes away. But it was still funny as hell to see the little backpack like moving, like jumping out. Yeah. <laughs> Love that part. <laughs> so, like, I really don't mind that they're changing some of these characters to just make make it fit for bits and jokes. Um, because at the end of the day, these are really obscure characters that they're using anyway, for the most part. I think one of the major missed opportunities is that Domino's Pizza didn't have a marketing campaign with Zazie Beats. They still can. They can they still, still do can. it. I'm saying Domino's Pizza, get on that. Yeah. Mike, I, I got to agree with you. I, I kind of wish that it was a little bit more like built in on cable. Um, not that I was definitely one of those people that wanted to see more of cable in the future to ground him in that reality and then have him come back. Um, that being said, I, I also think that it would add too much to the runtime to the movie to do that. And, and I think that you raise a good point where if you have a villain, that's more of a personal threat to him in the future. Um, besides like the very obvious, like, Oh, he killed, you know, wife and kid. Uh, although that ties in with like the, bear anyways but whatever um that it could have given him a little bit more exposition because I, I felt like he was just this unknown badass that seemed like he was a super soldier sent back from the future rather than like someone who is like very emotionally you know attached to the situation um the other thing yeah. i i'd also say is i think a little bit of the casting suffered just purely due, due to time uh, there was one time when he was uh, monologuing in the middle of the movie and he just sounded like Thanos. He had that like, and <laughs> I will get all of these people from the past with the snap of my fingers. And like, I know what it's like to lose in the yeah, future. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it's like, dude, like, um, I too am cursed with knowledge. People <laughs> could really use the time stone is what he needs. Exactly, exactly. But so... Like there was, if this movie came out in November of this year, I feel like I would not have drawn the comparison, but it literally came out two weeks later and it's just like, oh dude, that that's Thanos. It's same guy. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would have loved to see more of Cable. Um, I'm not against Cable's, or I'm not against the idea of Cable having more, more plot. Um, he's a rich character and there's a lot of info to unpack there with him being the son of of Scott and Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor and like yeah. the interactions with Mr. Sinister. Like there's a lot going on there, especially with his children, with hope and everything. Um, but this movie was a was, like I mentioned earlier, a character study in Wade Wilson. Um, you know, he loses it was something that I that's easy to forget about this movie, or at least for me, is that the character Wade Wilson is a human. He's a person who had some like gnarly shit happen to him. And I thought that this movie did a really good job of showing the transition from being Wade Wilson, more Wade Wilson, who worked as Deadpool, to living in the Deadpool persona. Um, you know, um, Ra- Vanessa was his last remaining tether to the things that he actually cared about in the real world, in the world where he was just a person. And as soon as she's taken away in the beginning of the film, the rest of the movie is just this downward spiral where he 
as a self-defense mechanism, digs deeper and deeper into his psychotic persona to the point where it starts, by the end of the movie, you've lost track of where Wade Wilson ever was in the first place. Um, and so I think that was what the story was about. And I appreciate that they gave us that. And hopefully Deadpool 3 will t- take the time to really dig into Cable talking about what that future was like because he's going to stick around to stop the things from happening. What, what do you think is going to come first, Deadpool 3 or X-Force? Because they, I mean, so this is completely going against what I just said about Fox not having any control over the future of their franchises, but uh, they were set on making X-Force happen, you know, at some point. I I think it's a matter of how well this movie does is what they do next. It depends a lot on what, on when the Disney merger, Disney Fox acquisition goes through, um, I think. I think that Disney, especially Kevin Feige, would be of the mindset to push x-force before anything else um he understands the power of ensembles and you know we've seen what he could do with the avengers and with guardians of the galaxy um and x-force is like comprised of a bunch of a bunch of characters throughout like the history of the of the group a bunch of characters that disney would love to have on film (laughs) together um my favorite iteration of x-force is like psylocke (laughs) deadpool phantom x um and even archangel which i thought was funny because he kept talking about how he wanted how his last resort was to have the guy with pigeon wings on his team. Oh, I was uh, hoping Archangel was going to I was hoping. Angel, yeah, Angel is an actual member of X-Force in the comics. Uh, yeah. In fact, one of my favorite moments, actually, probably my favorite moment uh, in that entire comic run is Archangel getting knocked out during a, during a battle and him waking up to Deadpool standing over him, feeding him meat and saying, it'll be okay, just eat the meat, it'll make you feel better. <laughs> and then the, the camera zooms out and you see that he's just carving strips of his own forearm off and feeding it to him like while he's unconscious and it's just really weird and creepy and gross but it's yeah, my it's, favorite Deadpool moments <laughs> it'll be interesting how they like crafted x-force movie do do you want to go with like x-force characters with like an ecstatics attitude and have it be very slapsticky or do you want to kind of go towards that more black ops route of a black ops team that just does the dirty jobs yeah, for um, I, anybody i think it's I gonna think be really X-Force sticky in do general better as black ops I think an X-Force movie would be better as a, a Black Ops type of film because there's other characters involved other than Deadpool, you know, yeah, that are that are at that point. You, ha- you almost have to make Cable your main character then, you know, yeah, instead of doing a dedicated Cable movie, you just make X-Force. Yep. Yeah, I think they'll probably wind up calling it like Deadpool and X-Force and the X-Force or Cable and the X-Force. Like that's, well, we really they had a series Cable's last year that was like, name, Cable and the Six Pack. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I'll watch that. Yeah. Caroline, yeah. friend of the show, uh, tapped me in the shoulder uh, midway through the movie and goes, how old is he? Why does he still look like that? <laughs> <laughs> he's like in his mid-50s, I think. Yeah, he's ripped, though. He was yeah, he got jacked for the movie. before this movie, though. <laughs> like, that's when he started getting so fucking jacked. He's in that Thanos shape. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait, no, Mocha, um... Cable in the comics is, correct me if I'm wrong, is he a carrier of the legacy virus? Or, like, what? Because there's that scene where he's sort of going over his body and, like, like sort of, like, examining where the, the tech is sort of invading no, his body. He has the techno-organic virus. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I was surprised they didn't really bring that, or, like, didn't even, like, say anything about that. It was just sort of, like, slyly hinted at it, but it wasn't really, like brought up as like I'm from the future and I have this robot disease that is slowly eating away at me. Ugh. I have future AIDS. 
Um, <laughs> I wish that's what he said when he stepped out of the portal. I have future aids. Give me your truck. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like we brought up a lot of stuff. So I'm really interested to see, like, what are some other favorite moments? What are some other favorite things that we talked about um, that you want to talk about um, regarding Deadpool 2? Uh, too. So I'm going to toss it to Abbott. Uh, yeah, one of the things that stands out to me was um, early in the movie when you see that uh, kind of montage of when Wade is explaining he's branched out and how international he is. And you see him like fighting, you know, the guys in the bathhouse and like the dudes like in Japan and the dudes over here and like the dudes over there. And like they're these crazy fight scenes. And you almost want that to be expanded. But at the same time, it just kind of makes sense that he's picking all this ass all over the world and like making this money and working his job. But then he comes home to Vanessa and that's where you sort of reel it into like like what you guys were saying, the realism as to like there's more Wade Wilson at this point than Deadpool. He's moving away from Deadpool and kind of becoming like his own his own person, um, which was sort of uh, fun to watch. Um, But then also just the little callbacks and the nods to certain things. Like, I know we've mentioned a lot of uh, X-Force references, but one of the things I love at the end of the movie when um, he gets blasted by Fire Fist and his entire outfit is just grayed out, that's his X-Force uniform. His gray Deadpool uniform is his X-Force uniform. That was really great. And little things like that throughout the movie I really enjoyed. Little nods and kind of pokes for the nerds watching. There was a good amount of like just visual gags that they didn't even kind of talk about. Um, even before that scene that you're talking about, we see the charcoal um, Deadpool that he gets ripped in half by Juggernaut. And so when he comes back on screen, his entire suit is basically taped together with duct tape. And they nobody said anything about it. Nobody like mentioned yeah. it, but that's like a visual gag that kind of keeps kind of popping up. And the fact that you have a uh, Depender who just really wants to be like a, a super uh, he's trying to be a superhero he, he tries to be a part of the team and so you can he's see trying he's to be a contract up. killer yeah <laughs> Which is, but the way that he like describes it was it's kind of like the moment from like you know uh oh shit what's that a vampire diary right is that think that's yeah. a oh, interview uh, with a vampire oh yeah interview with <laughs> a i'm your i'm your i'm your kristen stewart or i'm your kirsten yeah. dunst kristen yeah. kirsten, kirsten. yeah same thing uh, I mean, I do like the fact that, you know, one of my favorite moments was talking about the, you know, the drama that they kind of introduced pretty quickly. They kind of raised the stakes and I felt like they kind of took it so that we could take Deadpool character, Wade Wilson's character a little bit more seriously um, very, very quickly. Because one of the things that questions that I had going into this movie was, well, what's going to be the overall sort of motivation for him? Um, and the fact that they introduced that Vanessa dies very early on and the fact that there's a character with a time um a time traveling device i think that was going to be like a thing that's going to happen at some point which was an amazing sequence of after credits m- movies or during the credits or however you want to kind of call that but that was awesome to see him just go back and kind of correct everything all the shitty movies um uh that had happened before or shitty parts of movies with i was kind of funny but i felt like this movie was very very kind of open it knew exactly what movies came before it there was a part in which this movie they did the same exact sequence from uh, the Wolverine origin of when Deadpool's being shot at and he's like blocking all the bullets with his gun or his <laughs> knife. He chopped the bullet in half and they do the same exact sequence. But then in this movie, it's like, ow, he has all these bullet holes in him. It's Your bullets so are so funny. fast. <laughs> it's just so funny because it's like, I, and at one point when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool sequence. I, I clearly, this dude's like a, I guess he's like some sort of like Deadpool and he ends up being a really, really shitty Deadpool. A, a, apparently and so now they have a lot of different kind of callbacks and even for the sequence of when we were introduced to juggernaut in you know x-men 3 i believe 
they do a similar sequence here. It's like a, it's like a like a truck that's driving, and he kind of busts out and doing that thing. So that was really cool. And I'm just glad that they um, made it so that you can kind of care a bit more about the characters. I, I really enjoy seeing him like really talk about like family, kind of building off of something, and it's not just him um, fighting for himself. So that's pretty cool. Did did anyone know it was Juggernaut? Nope. Because that not at all. That completely yeah. caught me by surprise. I watched the trailers for this, um, and I still had I had no idea. Even yeah. with the pounds on the wall, I was like, ooh, I, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, was, I, was I had an idea that it was going to be Juggernaut, because who else is going to make those booming noises, and is that big? Um, but I didn't like how they did his uniform or his costume or anything. That it was, was odd to me that, he had, that they allowed him to keep his helmet in jail. Um, yeah, but like I let it go. I let it slide. Have a collar like anybody else, and he was just well, in. Let's put him in a big box. Nerd Jeez. moment here. A, a collar to dampen mutant powers wouldn't have taken anything away from Juggernaut because it's, it's, Kane it's is not the, a mutant. He's possessed by the yeah. Crimson Band. Uh, gem of Cyderac. So. Yes. Fucking nerds. I now, thought do that. You guys, come do in. you guys think that the part where he rips Deadpool in half? Do you think that was honestly just Ryan Reynolds? One Ryan Reynolds and one microphone, and he's just. He does his juggernaut line and then he backs up. He does his Deadpool line. And he backs up. He does his juggernaut line. <laughs> <laughs> that was that would be hilarious. I really hope that happens too. I was really hoping that the big baddie in this movie was going to be Wolverine. Um, because, yeah, I just thought that was kind of finally that we get Wolverine in this movie, like a younger CG's like overlay of him, and I thought it'd be kind of funny, but it's okay. That uh, Bradley, what else? You got some uh, favorite moments. Uh, yeah. So, uh, one thing I think they did really well to, um, enhance like the dramatic moments and like learn more about Wade Wilson as a character is just this whole idea of, uh, after Vanessa dies, that his vision of heaven is his apartment with, uh, Vanessa waiting for him, but he can't get to her unless he accomplishes a certain task. Uh, and even when he gets to her, uh, he's told that, you know, you're, you're ready, but it's not your time yet. And I think that actually says a lot about the character that, uh, that yeah, he has fun and he slaps sticky, but he also, uh, has this other side where you can kind of empathize with him of why of his grief and like the whole idea of like pain makes us better people and pain is going to um help us learn about life uh i think it's really cool to kind of explore with a character like this that's kind of unhinged and kind of insane that um regardless of what he ends up doing because like how when he's the x-men trainee and colossus tell him we don't kill we don't kill and you know that part of deadpool that takes over and it's just like this guy was an asshole to touch children Sorry, boom, and kills him right there. Um, and that's a really cool uh, just type of uh, like a difference that you would actually see. Like, how can I even feel anything for this character? They're able to make that happen with those Vanessa scenes, which I found were very touching. Um, but along with those, I mean, this is packed with just hilarity and fun. Um, the There is a scene where Cable is taking a chapstick out of his tactical pouch 
and he's putting it on his <laughs> lips and Deadpool mentioned something about like uh, it's hard to take you seriously with such soft lips or something and then they uh, get into an argument about his tactical pouch being a fanny pack and I lost it it's just hilarious <laughs> that they take that moment in the middle of just like him onslaughting an entire prison and just bitching him about his fanny pack was fantastic um also uh when uh, let's see here um yeah the, they're also like they also have different types of humor that are really good like they even have like cutesy humor that they do uh like the high weight hey hi yukio thing that was funny dude um, i was gonna, i was that was gonna <laughs> so be my thing like that was the greatest <laughs> for no reason just going full kawaii just yeah. <laughs> it was like the best and that's, i mean you expect that from deadpool um and it's really neat because there's like they have cu- they they purposely put in uh jokes that are very dated like who's gonna do a dubstep joke this day and age oh and, my god the job that they played bangarang twice it is old and it's like it doesn't really have a place right here and now in 2018 <laughs> but it's something you do expect from the character of deadpool to be kind of like cheesy and outdated with his jokes uh even um i think that the only knock i can give it is like some of those jokes are like with his taglines like uh what in the ass and stuff like that i think just kind of felt overplayed in this film a little bit compared to the first film uh but they do a really good job i mean it's kind of that's kind of the personality of deadpool too at the same time um and i love that they actually play off the joke of uh when from the first movie about there's 16 kilos of cocaine buried in the house along with the cure for cancer. <laughs> Bli- blindness, blindness. The cure for blindness. Yeah. And I was on the board and you see the cocaine and the cure for blindness. I just lost my... <laughs> my my buddy who's uh, huge, huge into comic books um, went and saw it with him and he didn't. He missed that one. I felt really happy that I snuck one by him because usually he's just like, oh, remember this arbitrary thing that happened in 1993? I'm like, did you see the cure for blindness? It's like, no. <laughs> So yeah. good, and uh, the character of Black Tom Cassidy, I kind of like that they included him here. He's actually one of my favorite villains from the comics, uh, and he actually partners with uh, Kane Marco, aka Juggernaut, because I think they're brother-in-laws. I want to say, uh, yeah, there's some relation. Yeah, there's some relation that they have to each other, uh, and uh, I thought it was a funny way of making fun of race jokes is by using black Tom, but, uh, also they missed out on, uh, the really important, uh, having a joke about his magic. So lately they should have included something about that. Um, uh, but, uh, um, throw back to the comics. Yeah. But, uh, if there was, um, like a, a ner- unnerving scene from the first film, it was the baby hand. It's just like the grotesque mixed with just ridiculousness to the nth degree, but they actually won up it with the baby legs joke in this one. This was just so the fact that they did baby um, dick. Uh, was it fatal attraction or uh, yes. no, not fatal attraction? Ba- was basic instinct. Basic instinct. Basic instinct. Yeah, <laughs> that was just a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, my friend uh, that saw it with me, um, he has asthma, and he actually had to get his inhaler out during that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've heard that baby dick will do that to to a person. <laughs> and that's why Abbott can no longer go near schools. <laughs> uh, Moko, what you got for favorite moments? Yeah, so I kind of feel you, Brian, a little bit when you mentioned that the um, the kind of blatant jokes from Deadpool were getting a little overplayed for you, like the what the ass or whatever. Um, I didn't mind so much Deadpool's jokes themselves, but what did get a little overplayed for me were was the fourth wall breaking. Um, breaking the fourth wall is something that Deadpool is famous for in the comics. Um, he's one of the few characters that is aware that he's being read by a human and makes reference to it. Um, and in this film, I, there were a lot of moments where it was really funny, but in my mind, or at least how, like the way I feel about it is that when you break the fourth wall, it's surprising and it's shocking for the viewer, for the audience, because they're not expecting it because they're getting fully engrossed in the film. So it's initially funny, but if you're breaking the fourth wall, every other scene, it has diminishing returns in terms of its effectiveness. So for me, the fourth wall breaking became less and less funny as the film went on. Um, and I, there was a lot of it in, in this movie compared to Deadpool 1. Um, but other than that, the humor was like got me like through and through. Uh, it actually was, it's been a funny day. I saw this movie last night and it was so dense with just funny one-liners yeah. and like visual gags that they didn't directly reference, but just were there that my brain couldn't contain it all. And I just had this yeah. general feeling of, oh, that was funny, but I couldn't remember any quotes, which is usually my thing when I leave movies. And this morning or this day, all day long, I've had these little things floating back into my brain, like how he randomly says at one point, it's like Beyonce says, please stop cheating on me. <laughs> <laughs> like all this random shit, when he takes the, the Coke out of, his, um, out of his safety vault underneath the floorboards in Blind Al's house, and then puts it under his mask. I was like, all right, I guess that's just how he's going to like carry it. And then he punches himself in the face and the coke goes everywhere. <laughs> it completely took me by surprise. And then he does the, the, the sumo wrestler, like chalk hand clap with the, with the coke too. So good. Oh, man. It was just so much of this movie, despite knowing that you're going into a film that's going to make a lot of funny jokes. So many of the jokes completely blindsided me. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I had never heard the phrase prison wallet before. And the fact that <laughs> That pool was disturbed by the fact that this kid was willing to put a uh, like a, a shank up his ass was even funnier because of all people Wade Wilson should have seen everything. <laughs> um, it was just man, this was just a funny movie. I don't even know if I have a specific favorite moment. Um, it, I just can't. I can't wait to see this film again just so yeah. I can really take everything in. Yeah, um, you definitely need to see this multiple times to catch every joke and reference that's going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Him zipping around X Men Mansion in Charles Xavier's wheelchair, like doing spins and stuff like that, while complaining about the fact that the the production company won't throw them any bones in terms of money to spend on bringing in other characters. Well, even <laughs> even on, the, on that same in the back. Well, even on that same part, he goes, "Oh man, there's a lot of old white people's pictures hanging up." Good thing I uh, I'm bummed I didn't bring my rape whistle. Rape whistle was so fucking good. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're, they're, I mean, like that's definitely going to be going off of like my same points here, Mocha. Is I de- I'm I'm very excited to watch this again because there was just so, there was just layer upon layer of the amount of different types of comedy that was just kind of bashing you over the head with it. But I'm so glad because you tend to appreciate it even more. So you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, that happened, and there's probably like a ten jokes within a span of like maybe ten seconds, especially with the baby leg sequence because there that. Which is so much happening all at one point. That was like um, a like an epic yeah. operatic performance of <laughs> one stupid joke. Oh, it just got to that point of 
encouraging a new baby to walk type of thing was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Um, even when, uh, like, and the fact that they found ways to fit in jokes, even during dramatic moments, like when they're having the final standoff with Firefist and they're defending the headmaster of Essex House and he runs away to safety and Deadpool looks back and he goes, oh, God, he even runs like a pedophile. <laughs> I'm just killing. Oh, oh, was, oh what, uh, I guess. Uh, can I have a gun? He's like, no. I was just going to use his brick. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just beating people in the head with it. Like, come on, man. It was just so rich and dense. And amidst all of that, like humor, we got this these really intense and super well choreographed fight scenes. Um, yeah. The scene, like the opening montage in the beginning of Deadpool, like fighting people across the world. Um, Zazie Beats, uh, Zazie Beats scene where she was storming Essex House and like essentially killing all of the guards who worked there through luck, having things like in like a Final Destination esque scene where <laughs> her probability of causing shit to happen to them was the just incredible. Falling on that dude's head was ridiculous. Oh yeah, just completely wiping it off. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was just a like, it was such a dense movie. There was so much in it from start to finish. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint a spot. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, and last up, we got uh, Blue. What do you got? So, any other favorite moments? Yeah, that I mean, you alluded to earlier. Um, I think the most important line in cinema hist- history is not Rosebud. Uh, it is uh, Ryan Reynolds as himself saying, oh, Ryan, you finally made it. <laughs> Staring at the green lantern. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't think I've laughed harder ever in a movie from then from that uh, like that was so Mocha was saying how about like how the fourth wall I you know I took it less of like I took it less of like breaking the fourth wall than this movie was made with the audience involved in it you know like in Deadpool yeah. one to me you had the like the shock factor of breaking the fourth wall and then he even references it. he's like oh I'm breaking the fourth <laughs> wall while breaking the fourth wall in this movie it felt like the the audience was literally just along for the ride and Deadpool was guiding to guiding you I mean he had a million um what it was it uh <laughs> my greatest superpower is now unbridled cancer give me a bow and arrow and hawkeye like or or a cable asking me he's like who are you and he just goes i'm batman <laughs> like you know it, God, it's so dark you must be from the dc universe it, honestly it's this movie wasn't you can't to me you can't fault the the fourth wall breaking because this movie is just you have to have seen all of the comic book movies and then go see deadpool 2 because you're along for the ride with them. You're you're in the writer's seat with them. That's um, a great point. Because, um, I mean, the whole fourth wall break, and this is like one of the few movies where, you know what, it's really okay to dive into seeing every trailer and every commercial that comes out and all this uh, side stuff, whether, whether it's Ryan Reynolds talking to Hugh Jackman on social media and Twitter and they're just saying some funny shit to each other or they're uh, doing uh, just some strange popping up in strange commercials and stuff. It is kind of that fourth wall breaking makes him like an interactive character for the audience where you're doing a little bit more than just watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me also, I, I did really like um, the whole barrier metaphor that they had going on. And didn't they do the whole water thing too, where like he got sucked up through the, or am I just thinking of Tully again? 
Yeah, whenever he quote unquote died, he I mean, it's almost like he was being submerged in water and then Right. I, I you know, I I really like that metaphor. The, also to expand on earlier, um Wade Wilson, they so I feel like it's it's retroactively a big miss for them in the first one, where they could have made a much bigger deal on him not being able to die. Because I feel like they really drove home the important part that um what Wade wanted was what he physically, the one thing he could not physically do, you know, like his greatest want in life was to die and be with like the person he loved. But well, but I was going to say, but because of his mutant ability, it's something that he just, he he couldn't do it if he wanted it to. (laughs) And so I feel like they, you know, you could have had a little bit more. I was going to say, you could have had a little bit more emotional impact if they brought it up in the first one so that you could have somewhere of a jumping off point to go in the second one. Yeah, I thought it was amazing that they show that he's pissed off at Wolverine at the beginning because it's funny, but it's also very poignant at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, To that effect, Blewett, I completely see where you're coming from, but I think that this is where the strength of this particular film comes from. In Deadpool 1, um, his inability to, to die is still new. And so he's still reaping all the benefits of it. And in fact, his inability to die is the only thing that allows him to accomplish his one goal, which is to save the woman he loves and get back together with her. And then you have Deadpool 2, which is a further character study where he loses that one thing he wanted. And now what seemed like a blessing, what during his first moments with it, the inability to die is his ultimate curse. And now he's struggling to deal with what that looks like without that anchor point, which is why I think this movie, despite all of its jokes and its humor, is actually a really good like character study in terms of like the dramatic life of what it's like to be the human Wade Wilson underneath the Deadpool mask. Well, that's why I was a little conflicted because like the end of the movie when he takes that bullet and he's dying and then the the one long joke where he's just dying and dying and he says goodbye <laughs> and then he comes back and he says goodbye and he comes back like that was getting even for me like a little bit like long winded to pull the joke but um then just for Cable to decide to go back in time and hide the token to block the bullet just so that he wouldn't die, it's like, well, didn't Deadpool want to die? But then he just goes back in time and saves What's-Her-Face anyway. Like, that whole, like, conundrum towards the end of the movie just seemed very, like, like a lot of wires got crossed and people had different ideas that they all wanted to convey and, like, nobody could agree on anything. Like, to me, that's what the creative process felt like because it felt like a little bit of a jumble there towards the end. I think it was more along the lines of he like I think we should have seen some more like inner monologue happening. There was a bit of a moment or a beat on Cable's face that he may have seen a future. And I think he also mentions the fact that in the future you're dead like you you don't make it out. And so I'm also wondering if like at at that moment if he saw that, you know, if in the future that we do have Deadpool, like if it's going to make a difference, that's why I'm going to then choose to save him. Right. Like This is me potentially kind of pulling or grasping from like kind of a couple things. But I think he definitely mentions and by he, I mean, Cable, he definitely does mention something like that. And that's a choice that he made to keep his family safe, which they were already safe and but still try to save the world and do something so that it doesn't go to shit like he also said in this movie. So I think that was a a particular choice that he made to then save Deadpool. But then why did so for me, at least the one thing that I kept getting hung up on is like they could have just as easily taken the like the collar gets what hit with a bullet when they're in the prison and that's when he gets his powers back. They could have shot the collar off of him and he could have healed himself rather than having Cable jump back in time and like do that weird. They didn't have any bullets left. He, he said he was out of <laughs> well, 
Wait, well, I think the, the point there was that he didn't wa- he wanted to die at that point. Like Colossus goes to rip it off his neck and he tells him, like, no, don't do it. And so I think at that point they were just honoring his wishes. Yeah. And then Cable went and said, fuck your wishes. Like, but he could have said, fuck your wishes and rip the collar off his neck. That's just where I'm like, at my, I'm yeah. like, yeah, there's like two different ways this could happen. And you went about it the most complicated way. Uh, to be yeah. fair, Dead- Deadpool references that earlier when Cable's like, I've only got two charges, one to get here and one to get back. He's like, well, that's lazy writing. So, when, I mean, like, there's... And that's where I come from, is, like, I feel like some of the, la- like, the writing was lazy, but, like, it's almost purposeful, maybe. Maybe, yeah, that's actually a good point, Blewett. Like, it probably was on purpose. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all, it's all, I, like, they got the cool moment where he, like, takes out the coin that they referenced earlier. It's lazy writing, but you can't, they literally brought themselves into a, like, a situation where you can't make fun of them for it because they're like, yeah, because yeah, they already made fun of themselves. Right. And cause once you introduce time travel, you're kind of like fucking yourself there. Like, yeah, you can do anything at yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't even get into that, but like how, cause they, they got into it in the movie. One thing I would like to say before, uh, any sort of conclusions on this, um, speaking of like wicked dated references, the skyfall, opening credits to this movie oh, was so unbelievable. Oh like, dude, like they, they went, what is that? Four years ago at this point? Like, Oh I my God. Once they First announced the Celine Dion song, I was like, it's gotta be some sort of James Bond yeah. reference. Yeah. That but Celine Dion song was fire. When I heard that Celine Dion song and saw the music video, I'm like, how are they going to incorporate this in the movie? And that's was like the perfect way to do it. My favorite thing about the music video was at the end of the song where we've had Deadpool doing ba- like ballerina dances behind Celine Dion while she's singing. He's in the audience clapping. He's like, you know what, Celine, that was great. Um, it was an 11 out of 10. And we really needed to bring it down to like a four or a five because this is not an 11 movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we have talked a lot. Uh, so let's get into our conclusions before we wrap off the show. So, Brylan, some conclusions and lasting thoughts for Deadpool 2. Uh, yeah, so this movie is, um, like, definitely that sequel that you love where it takes what the first one did and just makes it better. And it builds upon the characters. You learn more about Wade Wilson, and you get to know him a little bit more, and it gets you excited for what they're going to do next. And expanding into X-Force, or if they do another Deadpool 3, be happy to see either one uh one other little criticism i'd have to it i think uh negasonic teenage warhead was a little bit underutilized it'd been cool to explore her character a little bit more but i think adding yukio and having her relationship out there and that's something that her and wade can joke about was a lot of fun so yeah that was a good point uh mocha yeah um i thought this was a great sequel i think it deserves the success that it's experiencing um, and I think it, it earned that by focusing on story instead of just trying to outgore itself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to where they go with the future for this franchise, especially since we've done a pretty solid character arc for Wade Wilson himself. And now we've got a lot of really big name characters in the mix alongside him. Domino, Cable, uh, Negasonic, Colossus. I would love to see future movies kind of expand on the world around Deadpool. Um, but I'm really satisfied with how this movie came out. And I think that if you even enjoyed the first movie in the slightest, you should definitely make it a priority to see this film. Oh, for sure. Uh, Abbott. Yeah, I think, um, 
for for a sequel, this was really solid. Um, you know, I dunked on it a little bit, but I did really love this movie. I think they have the the combination down pat, but there's some things I'd love to see them do. I was really hoping they were going to kill off T.J. Miller's character in this movie, but maybe we can look forward to that in the next film. Um, and I know they have sort of this time travel doodad from Cable now, but I really want to see Deadpool kind of utilizing the Bamps from the comics, the little their little baby Nightcrawler demons from like the Age of Apocalypse timeline that he can just kind of squeeze and like hop around whenever he wants. I think that would be kind of cool. There's lots they can do with the character, and I think it would be really neat to kind of see that down the line. Um, but yeah, if you get a chance, go to see the movie. It's it's pretty dope. If you like the first one, you'll definitely like this one. I mean, and I just the one thing I actually thought about, like, I really hope that they I'm glad that they kind of didn't, because if, you know, the next Deadpool movie, they do mention that. Oh, hey, this bartender was recast. Oh, you wonder why? Or if they make a joke about T.J. Miller in the next movie, I think that's going to be even a better way just to say kind of fuck you. They just cast like a very attractive actor and they're like, oh, like we saw what happened. Oh, I got some work done. Yeah. Like something like, oh, something ridiculous. Like get like, uh, get Brad Pitt, right? Like I think the ultimate like fuck you. Finish your dad. Sorry. Get Brad Pitt. uh, Or, oh, no, no, no. Get uh, Chris Helmsworth. Put him like in like <laughs> same hair, right? Put him in glasses and just act as if like nobody says anything. And then Deadpool makes a joke. <laughs> kind of remind me of Thor. He's like, no, no, no. I'm like your best friend. We've been hanging out for like all these times. They do a flashback and it's just Chris Hemsworth in all these <laughs> things. So number one and number two. Yeah. I I think that will be probably some of the funniest shit ever. So I really hope they do that. Sorry, uh, for hijacking, but that'd be uh, pretty cool. Uh, Blue it. What do you got? Yeah, for me. I think this movie dipped pretty low at some times like the, the whole death scene kind of brought me out of the movie. There's a couple of times where like it got a little bit too heady for a Deadpool movie. That being said, the highs were unbelievably funny. Uh, the action was pretty solid. Like, you know, for a, a comedy was like pretty spot on. Um, it, it's, I feel like it's the same thing I, I was saying about last Jedi where like, it was there was crazy highs and crazy lows. In this case, I also agree with last jet my review of last Jedi where uh, go see it because it's awesome. The highs were so much higher than any of the lows in the movie. Can, can yes, I sir. add one more thing? Yeah. Uh, one thing that I think was interesting uh, around the release of this movie is like a week or two before Deadpool came out, they had also announced that the animated Deadpool series was canceled and no longer happening, which is a real shame. But I hope beyond hope that depending on how successful this film is, do we have any stats on that yet? Do we know? Is it? It's probably making a decent amount of money for superhero movies. So it blew it blew out its own personal record for opening night, and already over this weekend, I believe it's made it made more to eclipse its previous record for an r-rated film um so it's doing extremely well in box box office over yep. 300 million worldwide right now okay awesome i think i mean i hope that does something <clears throat> that's a lot influence. of chimichangas <laughs> <laughs> i hope that does something to influence maybe them reconsidering and bringing back donald glover's vision for an animated deadpool series because the fake script he released if that is any indicator that series would have been amazing nice so, you know, I would say for sure that I, I, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to like disagree with um, some of the things that blew it was said, but I just enjoy, enjoy this movie a lot. I mean, I think looking at a lot of the superhero movies, films itself, that it tried to do something different, but at the same time, like sticking to its guns, but 
then changing up a bunch of different things. So I think this was arguably one of the better sequels I've seen in a long time. And the majority of the only like sequels that we've gotten was either some pretty like really one off and not very good kind of Fox films, whether it was Wolverine or the X-Men and even sometimes Marvel's sometimes their sort of second movies hasn't been that great. Um, Iron Man 2, ugh, Thor, Dark World, not trash um even like avengers 2 wasn't even as good as avengers 1 so it's nice to see like a movie kind of um be better or par however you want to say i thought it was better my overall thoughts is going to be is better but definitely go check out this movie definitely go watch it i think this movie has to be watched also in theaters but i also like this movie much like we talked about um i think get out this is a, a community built movie i think you sitting around talking with some friends kind of drinking having a good time like whenever it comes out like later on not in the theater right you like talking through this movie of some of the funny parts is also going to like you appreciate the movie more and more as the more amount of times you actually watch it so definitely go watch it please <clears throat> and with that we are the down in front podcast the official podcast of down in front podcast.com uh bradlin where can you find more of your work uh, you can find me on Twitter where I team up with my new good friend Depender to take out pedophiles with taxi cabs all the time. Uh, that's at Brylon, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Um, also post many movie reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland. And once I get everything ready to go, the Downfront Games cast is going to come back. That's going to be twitch.tv slash Downfront Podcast. No, I'm excited for that Games cast. I have something to do while working besides yeah working mocha where can you find more of your work yes you can find me on twitter kissing them like i'm missing them at mocha mike li uh unfortunately you cannot find me at mocha mike the person who owns that username is inherently lucky and has avoided all of my reports about inactivity <laughs> so he still has it um so until then it'll be mocha mike li you can also find me on instagram at mocha mike where i post some of my photography work and follow me on medium at mocha mike uh, mocha mike where I write some long-form versions of the reviews we talk about here. Nice. Abbott, where can you find more of your work? Uh, all over the internet. Um, I do uh, host the Fear Boners here at Down in Front Podcast. We recently started a uh, new Twitter for Down in Front. Uh, the Fear Boners, D-I-F-P, on Twitter. You can find some horror recommendations there for you, where we also repost some of the episodes. If you'd like to hear more about horror at all, check that out follow us there um and then everywhere else i am the abs man not to be confused with the ass man which is probably actually just wade wilson in disguise and blow it what do you got mocha go ahead you had something his ass was looking pretty tight in that denim in that uh, deadpool suit this movie <laughs> he's got he's got a nice booty he's got a nice booty <laughs> Dude, I love the little like lip bike. Like that. Mocha's Mocha's had a little <laughs> lip bike for for all the people that are not watching this live. Just like his ass. That booty dough. Um that yeah, so you dough. can you can find me on the internet uh at Minus Music or Minus Band on most major platforms. Uh we are in fact trying to set up more so that you can reach my news in easier ways. Um, if you want, you can also email us at uh, Jesse Rand's baby legs uh, at <laughs> one six three one six three dot com. Again, Jesse Rand. He never leaves his house. <laughs> he never walks. <laughs> but one day, though, he needs the encouragement. <laughs>
uh, and we are the Down in Front Podcast. Definitely go check out of our work. Uh, we have been revamping. We are updating. We are putting more and more fun and hilarious content on our website. So that's going to be at downinfrontpodcast.com. Find us. We're literally on just about anything and everything social media. Facebook, facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. On Twitter, it's the underscore DAFP. That's at underscore DAFP. Um, for people who definitely want to support us, uh, you know, help us out and keep us recording. Keep, recording keep us floating definitely become a patron um all the patrons gets kind of early episodes to get bonus content bonus episodes as well definitely go check that out and just for the small 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 donation of one dollar bob you can definitely become a patron hang out with us on our discord channel and just we can talk about anything movies and obviously non-spoiler stuff because no one likes spoilers here so uh definitely go check that's at patreon.com slash down in front podcast. We have a Reddit. We have a brand new email and we're actually going to be kind of finally getting to the point where we're going to be transitioning a lot of information over to put more and more work out. So please email us if you have any other questions. That's going to be at the crew at down in And that's going to be great. So we are the down in front podcast. And for any and all of our work, make sure you watch the movie. You grab a drink and you join the pod. Good night. <laughs>